The guy has literally gone on more holidays, four, than he's made signings, three. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the goal. Welcome back! To the Panicked Yet? Podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, and your very good friend, Drabbly Brothers. Hello! Hello, friend. How are you? I'm very good, Brad. I'm very good. Uh, I've had a very productive day, which is good. Good. Uh, I'm a, been a slave, Me too. slave to capitalism, um, oh. but in, in oh. many ways, it makes you feel good. So let's just stick with it, eh? It might be destroying the planet and our mental health, but let's stick with oh. it, because... And, the, and our lives, because, you know, I'm paying in rent uh, what uh, more than what I'd pay on the mortgage for this place, so. Hey, you've moved, you've moved house on that. I have. I have that? on that note. It's fucking brilliant, mate. Oh, my God. Yeah, love it. Yeah, you've got a sort of gaming chair. What, what's going on there? I do. I've, I had it, um, I mean, it's a bit creaky at the moment, but uh, I had it... Um, I, I did have it for the whole of the time I was in Brixton, but the only issue being the space. I had no space for it. Whereas now I've got a setup, two monitors. Um, yeah, I'm living life, mate. He's, he's 10 minutes brilliant. from the ground, folks. So if yeah, you want to just go around knocking on doors, you might find You'll it. eventually find me. You'll eventually exactly. find me. So am I going to be editing out loads of from your side? I, well, I don't plan on moving a lot, but if I just like... Just don't move. <laughs> Too much moving. Welcome back. It's a new sound th- effect. It's a, it's a new sound effect. Yeah. Just when <laughs> something awkward happens, just... Yeah. <laughs> I actually love that. Christ. It's a new feature of the pod, but someone makes a terrible point, just... Uh, might be a lot of it. Um, welcome back to the Different Not Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we've had a little break. We are back uh, mm. while Bradley was moving and other things yeah. were happening but we are here just a couple of housekeeping notes, notes before we get started uh, we're now doing or I'm now doing daily blogs so if you fancy a little bit of reading uh, head over to the differentknock.com first one today was about Joe Willock so if you're into your daily blogs there will be a new daily blog every single day I promise I promise uh, up on there and hopefully with some interesting takes also it's the Different Knock's birthday tomorrow it is uh, it's so it it's his first birthday. Where what do you reckon we should be doing now? Sort of saying dada and things like that. Uh, it depends how uh, with the quality of the podcast. I don't think we're we're that smart a child. Yeah. We? So <laughs> I think we're probably the child that's like run like just like rolling around bashing its head on the floor, aren't we? Yeah, we probably are. <laughs> we we no, no, we no. Got, we're we're Project Mbappe. We're the one that's already running and kicking a ball. Yeah, we got dropped on our head by Mikel Arteta, and it's it's just it's all gone downhill from there. <laughs> Uh, or maybe by Unai Emery, who knows? Uh, or maybe by Edu on his sixth holiday of the year, but hey-ho. Oh, too topical. Um, and uh, we are also doing a season preview podcast this week, so we'll be doing a season preview with Aaron, uh, who is now of Football London fame. Uh, yes, Aaron, big congratulations big congrats. to the man. Uh, so yes, uh, watch out for that, uh, as that will be a big bumper episode with Aaron, and looking forward to it. Right, Brad. Mm. Arsenal played a game of football. 
Unfortunately, uh, we did. <laughs> we lost 1-0 to Spurs at the toilet bowl. Uh, give me a one-word summary and overall feelings. Uh, one-word summary. Uh, summary? Summary? That's probably a perfect one-word summary for, for what happened uh, during the game. Uh, probably reminiscent. Um, That's two. It just reminds me of the pure kind of just absolute dead dross football we were playing uh, during that turgid run in December when, uh, we, you know, prime Alba on the left days before we discovered that we actually had a 10, you know, uh, it, it was just languid. It was players, again, making the same mistakes. Hector Bellerin in that game loses Deli Ali twice for Deli to hit the post twice. Um, once just because he has zero defensive awareness and then the second time because he's decided to jostle and try to mark the man that Pablo Mari's marking on a corner, which is just moronic. Um, El Nenny doing El Nenny things. I did find it quite funny um, when I, because uh, I've got Arsenal notices on my phone. I got the notification that El Nenny came on and then literally just a few minutes later they scored. <laughs> and I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> But yes. yeah, it's it's just it's reminiscent of everything that's been wrong with Arsenal, and uh, baffling as to why after turning the corner come December, we haven't continued in that vein in in preseason. Yeah, it's been a tricky preseason, hasn't it? Um, yeah, results wise, it's been, ba- it's been a bad preseason, and obviously it means fuck all because in 2019 we took something like seven points off of Bayern, Madrid and some other good club. And then, you know, we finished eighth. Yeah. It, so. I, th- I think as, I, as I've said before on pre-seasons, it's all about taking, it's not about taking no meaning or all the meaning. It's taking the right, the meaning. right meaning. What yeah. Like what right meaning can we take from it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think like results wise, there's not loads you can take from it. So I don't put too much into it. I put more into the kind of performances, who we see, who we don't see, how people mm-hmm. are playing, all that sort of stuff. Because it, it it can indicate, you know, where, where people are. And ultimately, this mm-hmm. was two games, the Chelsea game and this game against high level opposition, where we can see where we are against against those teams. Lost both of them. I think it was some encouraging things. My word would be same uh, or samey, maybe. that's Again, that's two words. Uh, I think... Uh, <sighs> Looking at that lineup, we've got who have we got? We've got Leno, Bayerin, Pablo Mari, Kieran Tierney, Granite Xhaka, Pepe, Smithrow, Abame, and Lacazette. We've only got Laconga and White, obviously, as kind of new starters. And it's unlikely Laconga will be there, um, sort of maybe in the medium term and I'm or potentially the short term. I'm I'm more optimistic about long uh, optimistic about the long term. But it just, when we are languid in possession, when we are um, finding difficulty in creating any kind of attacking patterns, when we make mistakes as we did for the goal, when we make, you know, there was a couple of, I think they hit the post twice. I don't think anyone's expecting perfection. But I think what the the shame and the uh, the the frustration for me from this game and, and from a lot of um, not a lot of preseason but the sort of the two games when Reese Nelson came on there was a real urgency that really juxtaposed the first sort of half or maybe you know beginning of the second half 
there is a la- there is a, a languidness, there is a, a lack of urgency, and, and you know all the preseason caveats that, that are there and and should be should be said because they are you know it, mm-hmm. it, is, it is preseason and players aren't going to be at their full capacity or be you know absolutely busting a gut, but there is a level where I look at Hector Bellerin, I look at Lacazette, I look at Aubameyang, and I see no explosiveness, and I see. No players making basically the same errors that they've been making for the past however many seasons they've been here and listen I I don't know I don't know what I was expecting (laughs) but I think it it does kind of hammer home the the difficulties and what we've got to what we've got to do I mean it just shows us where we are um, but it does, I suppose, I, I think w- with every new season, you get the new kit, you have a bit of time off, you kind of, you reset, you come back to school in September. And that sort of is the analogy I used in the last podcast, everything's the same. And I'm sort of coming to terms with that and trying to work out where we go from here. And I think there's another conversation to be had around why everything's been left the same. Um, but that's for kind of a later, a later, more macro conversation uh, on the lineup. Yeah. It, it's it's the same lineup quality wise because we've added Ben White, which is which is quality. He's better than the centre backs that we had, but the difference is we've lost Erdegaard in a position where we really need somebody. Um, we we've said it before, centre back. If we were to write a priority list of transfer targets for this summer before the summer started, would have been fifth. We'd have signed, if we were Edu, we'd have gone after a central attacking. And again, this is probably why we're not fucking technical director of Arsenal. But we'd have gone after a central attacking midfielder. We'd have gone after a right back. We'd have gone after a striker. And we'd have gone after a goalkeeper. All before targeting centre-back. And we'd have gone to Ibiza. And that has left us in a situation where, okay, maybe Saliba isn't, the and I'm gonna kind of isn't the world beating talent that he seems to be a lot. You know, he's he's gone out to Marseille and in his first game at centre back has uh, I think more clearances than any other player on the pitch. Seven created the same amount of uh, big clear cut opportunities as Erdegaard did in his entire stint at Arsenal uh, from centre back. So like he is talented. It's just left us in a situation now where we don't have the reinforcements where we need them. So the team is the same. We, we're stuck with Alba on the left, shoehorning Lacazette in up top for some unbeknownst reason. And, you know, uh, a kid in the 10. And we're playing two goal scorers on either wing. So we're not creating anything. It is, it is It's the same. It's the same lineup that got us, you know, into 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 problems in December at points you know it is just the same and there's no, and the the frustrating thing about it I've talked about it a lot is a lot of what I perceive and what I think management in 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 any in any realm should be about is what do we learn and you know I spoke about the Saliba loan to Marseille and my kind of argument against him going back to France was, well, what do we learn from this? We learned that he can do it in France. Well, we knew that anyway. What do we learn from Alba out on the left? Nothing. We know it doesn't work. He can't cross a ball and it doesn't put him in the situations. And it means that he's in situations then when he's only taking about two shots per game. 
And we know that he's not a high conversion rate striker. So we and Arteta especially does not seem to be learning from mistakes he was making in in December of last year. And we, you know, you can make the argument, oh, it's pre-season and maybe he's putting Lacazette in the shop window. No, don't lie to yourself. No one, not Roma, not Atletico Madrid is going, oh, I'm going to pay $7.99 to watch Roma, uh, to watch Arsenal in the Mind series. So I can see what Lacazette offers. Everyone knows what he offers. He's played with us for three or four years. It's just time to move him on. Yeah, there's a reason why that it's quite hard to shift him. I yeah, and because I, he's on ridiculous wages. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I I I think there's there's a lot of reasons why. I, I, I think we'll we'll be more specific about sort of specific names in, in in news and views, but I think there is a there is a a load of reasons why things have not moved as quickly as we expected to this summer. Mm-hmm. There's so many caveats and I really, really understand them. And actually, you know, from an outsider's perspective, from a, from a fan perspective, I can sympathize with some of them. But there are a few of them that I just go, surely we have to be more decisive. Surely we have to be more decisive on and off the pitch. It's, it's making those decisions. You know, I see, I see mm-hmm. the, the, the Willock uh, transfer. Uh, there was a bit of a thing about, you know, well, you know, Arsenal, uh, Steve Bruce saying, well, Arsenal need to decide what they're doing with him. There's a game, of course, to the window that we that we should be playing, and there are um, and there are certain situations where we should be, you know, testing things out and going, you know, trying a beard, and you know, if, if an opportunity comes up, fantastic. But there is also a certain level of decisiveness that I think we really miss. And then when you are indecisive off the pitch, I think that does translate onto the pitch. If you're a club mm-hmm. where you know for a fact that if you underperform this season, you are getting replaced at the end of the season, it doesn't matter. If you Chelsea. know for it, yeah, well, exactly. And the thing is, is I've spoken about this before. Like Arsenal, there's Arsenal values, right? Which I I really connect with. Which is like sort of giving players a bit of a chance. Like you know, sometimes sticking with players through difficult patches. Chelsea values are if you're not performing, you're out. And I don't like. I think there's a there's a healthy balance to be found there. I think Arsenal kind of find themselves all too often a little bit too far the other way. We stick with people through huge losses in form and often because we we don't have the we lack the and maybe it's the financial clout but we often lack the also the the perhaps ingenuity but mainly decisiveness that is the word i keep coming back to and, to and actually make nature to make those decisions to get rid of those people who are not performing someone like you know lacazette like i think he brings his qualities i think he he is uh he has certain attributes which make him a useful player i think he fits into a system in 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 certain situations we saw players like you know and and there's certain situations which we've moved on from like mustafi but there are players who you just look at and you go you this it's been the same issue for so long and how many windows are going to pass before we get rid of you I understand all of the caveats around why we can't get rid of these people. And every single situation has its own little, well, the thing is with that one is, but you look at other clubs. If we're, if we're looking at where we're trying to go with, they are not acting like us. So we need to act like them. It's that's a big issue with the Cronkies. We've spoken about it. We've spoken about this before in the sense that like, it's gotten to a stage with Lacazette, Bellerin, uh, probably Xhaka and other players where, Everyone knows what they are. So if we're not receiving bids in this COVID hit market that we think reflect their value, 
we need to cut our losses to a degree and run and move on and our billionaire owner can and should prop up the fees that we get so we can reinvest it into the squad you know we had a 30 or something million pound offer apparently for Lacazette from Roma last season that should have been accepted the fact that it wasn't accepted for some reason is moronic because Lacazette then wouldn't have maybe held up Enketia's development and then Enketia might be moving this summer for more. It's like you say, it's a lack of decisiveness and forward thinking. And I think that's been a big, a big hindrance in our transfer strategy across the board. Because we spoke about this earlier. There are there's a time to bargain and haggle and there's a time to pay the money. We've just done with Ben White what Manchester United did with Harry Maguire. We were quoted fifty million pounds. We spent four weeks haggling and then we've paid fifty million pounds. Mm. they did the same thing with the 85 mil for mm. Maguire and all that does is builds bad blood with the club because Madison for example who seems to be our top target and we'll come on to that later Leicester have him tied down to a contract they're in the most financially solvent league with a very rich owner and they've just won two pieces of silverware whether or not Madison wants to come we have been quoted apparently a price this is not a deal they will budge from. And we know that from Leicester's history. They did it with Mares, they did it with Maguire, they did it with Kante, and they'll do it with Madders. They'll do it. So it's the Ben, the ben White deal and the Mad- Madison deal should have been done four weeks ago. Mm, so that at agree. least going into the end of the window, you can make these gambles. You can take the opportunity to go, okay, um... Lautaro Martinez, for example, who we seem to be interested, who I think would be a fantastic signing, Inter are in real financial trouble. So you can make the gamble to take it to the last week of the window and then float a 50, 60 million pound offer and go, ooh, that's tempting. Ooh, that'll ease your financial troubles. And we're just not, we're not learning from mistakes of other clubs and we're not learning from our mistakes. And what it's done is it's left us in a situation where we have our first game in the league in five days and our starting eleven is no different quality-wise than it was last season. I just on the on the Ben White. I completely agree with everything you just said, mate. But also on the on the Ben White thing. I watched a video of his agent today talking to Sky Sports. Uh, side note: agents speaking on Sky Sports. Not a huge fan, but anyway, um, he was mm. saying basically how how consistent the Arsenal's messaging was and how great they were to work with, which is a fantastic thing to hear and how, how, uh, how much detail they put in and how much, um, how much time they spent, you know, evaluating their players that they, they went for, which is, which is really good to hear. Right. But there was one thing that did kind of concern me, which was, they basically said, we want Ben White. We want Ben White. We'll do whatever it takes to get Ben White. Now that decisiveness shouldn't, lead into lack of ingenuity in the market, lack of um, a naivety in the market. Why are you telling Brighton and the... It sounded as though he was say, they were saying it to the club. Why are you telling Brighton and the agent that you will do everything you possibly can? Because that price is only going to go up. And I want to... Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's just one sort of story, but it does kind of... Maybe it's a bit confirmation biasy, but I do think there's a there's a thing of us, and I just don't think we're that smart. But there's one thing I want to just yeah. just to kind of close out this conversation. I want to read out something Tim Stillman said on the on um on Twitter the other day, which I think is is just basically perfectly sums up where we've been going wrong. Here's the thing about selling your players: 
If you wait until it is beyond doubt, unanimous that they should be sold, nobody wants to buy them, as we've seen many, many Mm -hmm. times in the past. Arsenal's worst decisions in the last 10 years have been the failure to make a decision when someone puts money down for one of our players. We just hang on and hang on and hang on just in case they're brilliant and look where it's got us. And I think that sums up so many situations at Arsenal right now. Make 30 Niles. million last season. We'll be yeah. lucky to get 15 this season. Bellerin could have gone last season. We'll be lucky to actually get rid of him this season. Yep. You know? Yep. And I think I would like to also float something out there to end this conversation. I've started to notice it more and more and more. And I find it really, really funny that when the club comes under fire and the manager or the technical director starts to come under fire from fans on social media, there is always an interview wheeled out praising the club and praising the staff. And that is a theme that I've I've really started to notice in the last kind of have, six to nine months. I haven't noticed that, but I'll watch for it. Every time, like every time Arsenal fans have clamoured out for something, William to be dropped, the, you know, at points questioning Arteta really, really fervently. I remember interviews with Kieran Tierney coming out saying, you know, oh, he's a football genius. He's, he's amazing. Uh, and I, I, the more I know, it, and again, it could be confirmation bias, but the more you look at it, the timing of these interviews PRFC. That come out from, from no, genuinely. And look, that's part of the, the job to quell and, or at least to attempt to quell and control narratives. I do just find it really funny that again, in the transfer market, when the club is coming under fire, and especially the technical director is coming under a lot of fire for going on six holidays. He's gone on more holidays than he's made signings so far this summer. They've wheeled out somebody to give an interview about how good he is at his job, basically. I mean, I, it, I do find that quite ironic. I mean, that it was a kind of a separate thing, but yes, no, it was in it was Sky talking to from a sort of a Brighton perspective, but I, I do understand that. I also. There was an interview with Luigi Gaspar, as in uh, Edu's son, who's in the Arsenal Academy. And he talked about someone uh, spoke to him at halftime of one of the under 23s or under 18s games, whichever he's playing in. Um, And he said uh, that his, firstly, that he he, he was sort of defending his dad, saying that he does work really hard and, you know, don't judge him for the holiday pictures, which is a whole separate conversation. But the, the interesting thing from that interview was he said that Edu does have a social media presence and he does know what the fans are saying. So it interests me that, you know, this idea that, that you know, that the club is sort of out of touch. Edu, certainly from his own from his own son's uh, perspective, is really keyed into what the fans are saying online. So I'm not, I'm not going to add, you know, wood to the sort of cons- uh, conspiracy theory fire, but it is interesting and I, I will watch for that. Um, I do want to, moving on from a negative, uh, sort of back to the the mechanics of the game. I thought um, I thought Spurs were great in the first sort of ten minutes. Um, to be honest, to be honest, mainly because we couldn't get our press together. When we started dominating, when we started to to find some uh, some room, was when Sambi had more of the ball. And I just want to highlight him really mm-hmm. quickly because, firstly, there's a couple of things what I want to say. Snip, yeah, what fantastic. A what a coup! Yeah. <laughs> snip. What a coup! Um, two things. Firstly, interestingly. Sambi drops deeper than Xhaka. So, I mean, this will only be relevant for a couple of games, I really think. But but it is interesting because I think Xhaka, we saw his influence slightly further up with a little bit more space. 
for Switzerland in the Euros. And we saw what Xhaka can do. And actually, he was available. <clears throat> he was available a lot of the time. Xhaka was really uh, integral to a lot of what we were doing the other day. And Sambi was the one dropping. I think we spoke about this when we had a podcast with RJ, um, Rowan, uh, Rohan, sorry, Arsenal blog. Um, and Sambi was dropping deep and receiving the ball off the off the defenders. What Sambi does, and I and I love it, both him and Ben White has given us options. And this is, sorry, slight side note, this is why it frustrates me that we're not decisive in the market because I actually think the talent ID at the club is really good. What we've added... To a degree, to a degree. <laughs> we're still looking at Ramsdale. What we've, and that, well, Onana hey, is out there for six million. We're still looking at Ramsdale. We can't give what, him all the credit just yet. <laughs> okay. What we've added with Sambi though, and with Ben White, is yeah. two players who can play a, a huge variety of passes. Sambi's really, really adept at those kind of floated balls really accurately. And what it does is it does, for me, two things. It allows players outside to essentially choose a bit more where they want to position themselves. It gives Tierney the option of sitting right and hugging right on the touchline. It gives Pepe the option of sitting just on the on the sort of shoulder of the last man, waiting for a ball over the top instead of maybe having to come to feet. It doesn't mean those options are off. It just means that there are more options available, which is really good. And what it does to the opponent, the second thing, is it allows the opponent to have that kind of 50-50, is he going to chip me? Is he going to play it through me? Is he going to play it around me? And having those different options available, especially when Sambi is so pressure resistant, and I love that in him. He is so, so, so pressure resistant. He's so aware of... Um, there was a brilliant moment early on in the game, which I'm sure people remember, uh, when he turns out of a um, a challenge he's so pressure resistant that he you defenders and midfielders tend to sit off him just that tiny bit more and i think what it did is it allowed jacka to have a bit more space now i think when party returns i don't know whether the jacka party thing will continue or whether sambi and a party might be a thing i hope it is or i hope it's at least tried out but i am seeing kind of visions of a midfield of sambi sitting a little bit deeper and spraying those balls acting as that sort of deep line playmaker party given that license to push forward a little bit further, stop attacks high up the pitch, win the ball back high up, press high up. And uh, and we've seen Party, you know, when he when he's able to influence games, he is he's fantastic. So that was a real positive for me. I think there was a lot of negatives from the game, but that was you know, Sambi I think is is a real a real class act. Mm, uh totally agree. And he offers us depending on whether Xhaka still leaves because obviously we heard a lot about the renewal being imminent and then we've not seen anything since so who knows where that's going it obviously we then have to bring in another central midfielder but at least we have one who's bedded in and who seems of like a very good quality you know Definitely. so even though his future he, like he will be better in the future he's not as good as he is like he's not at his peak it's really encouraging that even though he's not at his peak he still seems fantastic so yeah, moving forward I think he's he's been a great signing definitely and I also think he's a slightly different style of midfielder and you know again I don't want to put too much praise on the, on the Arsenal board at the moment but the 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 midfield group that we've assembled He's, he's fairly good. You know, if we think about it, if we think about Party, Xhaka, Elneny, um, Sambi and, Mig- and Miguel Aziz, I'm not saying all those players are world Elneny beaters. Elneny in there? No, I'm not saying all those players are world beaters. What I am saying is that's a very diverse set of skills. I would yeah. like someone who can sit a little bit further forward, someone who's going to maybe like an Alwar as a sort of central midfield option as well. Uh, someone who 
perhaps can play a different a different type of role a little bit further forward, basically in the half space. And on on on, on Alwa, anyone bitching about the Joe Willock fee? Alwa's available for that amount of money. Do you really think selling Joe Willock in this market for the same price that you could buy Hussam Alwa is a bad deal? <laughs> you tell him, like, Brad. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I just I just think we have we have got a decent sort of midfield options. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, on the game, there's not loads to say. I mean, they hit the bar, uh, mm. the the post a couple of times. A decent save from Leno at one point. Um, mm. Although was it but this again, game? That was he, Bellerin falling asleep? Was again. that was it? This game he went down, or the last Leno. game? Leno. Yeah, I think it was this game he went yeah, down it, briefly. It was from it? that save. Yeah, I did shit. I did make me shit myself a little bit. It just shows you how close we are to disaster, which is literally Arsenal's fucking whole shtick. Um, yeah, for the- yeah, I mean, we signed fucking Runa 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 Runason, <laughs> and we've still not got him out of the club. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to set Brad off on the transfer. Are doing, how how um, are we doing that? It's, it's, <laughs> it's literally like three weeks till the end of the window, and we need to make about four signings. Um, I do want to talk about the fouling in both games. Yeah, it's a big problem. It's a big, big, big problem. It's a big problem in friendlies. At it's, the moment. A, it's bizarre. It's it was it's really, really aggressive. Properly, do you think? Because ref, refs, no, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because mentally, it puts players in a different place, especially during preseason when new signings will be trying to impress. Referees need to ref friendlies the exact same as professional games, if not slightly harsher, so that p- people don't over egg it. We've seen it so many times. So many players have gotten serious, serious injuries in preseason. You know, party's now out for three weeks or five weeks or something around that number. Um, Wesley Fafana's out till 2022 because of a leg break. Like, and I think, you know, we had this discussion earlier. Um, I think there there needs to be some change in the rules around um, kind of bans for players injuring players through reckless and dangerous tackles because no one's and you mentioned this no one's intent is to ever break someone's leg but if you get in the car and drive it 20 miles hour 20 miles an hour over the speed limit and you kill someone wasn't your intent to do that but you were still doing dangerous actions that caused this so there needs to be um, a massive kind of hike up on um on the length of bands whether it's you put somebody out for nine months you're banned for nine months i don't know but there, there does need to be an improvement in, in that. But yeah, it's it's a really, really big problem because a lot of yellow card challenges when they go in are not being given yellow cards. So it just means that players can take things further and they do take things further. That challenge from Deli Alley is what I would call a very hard yellow. Mm. Like like that that's board that's on the border that's of orange. red. Yeah. Like yeah. Do you know what? It's 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 teetering on that knife edge, and the nonchalant way to just get the yellow card out and not give him a fucking stern talking to that if he if he puts a toe on a player again he's off was an issue and and it does it seeps into players' mentalities and that's why you see players going in with ridiculous challenges because. Football, you're, you're like, you know, everyone that's played football, even at any level, you get so filled with adrenaline that it's it's autonomous responses. If you feel like you've put in this level of challenge and all you've received is a talking to, you'll go in harder next time. 
because you think, oh, it's fine. You know, I did this earlier. I'll go in a little bit harder, you know, and you won't even mean to do it, but you will. And then it becomes dangerous. And then you have situations where, you know, you break someone's leg for no reason. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure on the kind of the how to govern it. Actual, I'm, like, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what my my opinion is on that yet. I just, I it was very. It's a, but it's a bizarre situation, and I wonder if that will become a bit more of a problem with the next couple of seasons. Players just taking massive liberties in preseason matches, which just. But again, it's <sighs> we saw we saw it in the we saw it in in the league last season though. You know, Pickford ended Van Dyke's season, and almost killed Liverpool's hopes of getting Champions League football. And although Everton didn't have a good season, Pickford got to play through the season. Yeah, but you know, it's- I mean, I watched that challenge on that specific challenge, and this is why this is difficult because then you, how do you, how do you quantify dangerous play, and is it on the you know the the actual the the the, the length of the injury or how bad it is? I mean, it's quite a difficult, and you know, for example, you can just put in a challenge, and someone could be out for a year, like you know, they can just do their ACL by landing awkwardly. So how but do I think you? That, though, but that's the difference. It's about dangerous challenges. But I, don't, I didn't think the pick one was intent. that bad. I mean, it was a bad, it was a bad challenge, and, sh- and for me, he should have been sent off. But I don't exactly. think it was like that bad. No, and that's why you would need people to adjudicate and to make these decisions. Oh, you're creating because... another VAR for injuries, be a nightmare. No, but no, 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 but like, well, no, as in to just to kind of denigrate the length of bans, to just hand down the length of a ban, to just say, okay, the committee have decided. Um, this foul, though not as dangerous as others, was still dangerous and could have caught and was, you know, it did cause an injury. You're banned for this amount of time. Do you and mean? Obviously, do you mean delegate? Delegate. Yeah, that's the right word. What does denigrate mean? Criticize unfairly, disparage. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> not really. Um, but yeah, you'd yeah. have to pay somebody to fucking do it. But something needs to change because you shouldn't be able to end someone's entire season or entire year of football and then turn up three games later. That yeah. Real player won't, I, won't be banned. He'll start the season and be fine and play through the season. Leicester, without Wesley Fafana, could have a poor season. Yeah, I, I do agree with that final statement. I'm just not sure how we, how we get there. Um, yeah. The goal itself... Uh, again, as I said last episode, like it's it's a good bit of play from Tanganga and Son, but it's also some poor defending. I think Pepe gets the ball taken off too easily. Does his Tom Daly impression in the box? Yeah, and, um, and, and then he's running about like <laughs> looking for who knows what. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, what it reminded me of is is just how quickly things can change in games. You know, mm. it just you kind of. I think we spend a lot of time worrying about the sort of massive macro of the club and where are we going, but actually these little tiny, tiny little things in games is where we fall down um, so often and, you know, tiny lapses in concentration and how do we fix those and I'm not sure I have the answer. Uh, the final thing on the game I do want to talk about, uh, I thought our second half was weak and the there's two players that I want to, I sort of talked about this in the intro, but I, um, or in the sort of first little bit of analysis, but I do want to return to it. The lack of explosiveness and seeing Nelson, you know, I don't think Nelson's the greatest player in the world. I think he's, he lacks end products and he seems still seems a bit raw. I think he needs a, a loan or two away, but what he does bring is a level of urgency and a level of burst and acceleration and penetration that just 
players like Bellerin and Abamyang. The problem with Abamyang on the on the wing is he's got the turning circle of a fucking like a starship enterprise like he just and he crosses like me <laughs> which is bad by the way listeners the, yeah, yeah the, the, which no, is but, horrendous but like it takes him so long to turn he has no burst he has no if you get a bombing in a straight line running at defenders there's no one i'd rather have there right but it's how often do you have that how often you don't and when he's out on the left and when he's being asked to drop back into that sort of left wing back role and defend stuff it takes him you know so long to turn that you can get around him so quickly he's lost this sort of level of agility and unless we play a Bamiyang right down the middle where he can be in those positions to score in the most in the highest xg positions i just don't understand why we stick him on the wing and we've had this conversation before and i think i've basically defended it because the, the numbers have borne out but i think we've slightly adapted the way we play a Bamiyang on the left and he's being asked to basically track back a bit more and head further out i mean as you said a was crossing the balls in I'm like, what are we doing? When you have someone like that, I mean, you, you think of Sterling mm. or Mane, the explosiveness, the, the, the separation they're able to get from their defenders. Aubameyang just doesn't have it. And it's we frustrating. We 17 crosses. 17 crosses, I think, in one period of the first half, or it might have been the whole first half, and one connected. And I think the thing is, Aubameyang on the left-hand side works from centre forward because it's not about playing Aubameyang out left wing or left midfield it's about allowing him to be in that central pocket to float out to the left to come back in because that's where he's at his most lethal and then what you do is you put two creators behind him like and that's why Saka and Smith Rowe in the 10 and then Aubameyang up front worked so well at points last season because you had two creators and then Pepe when he was out on the left who actually played all right there a few times you had two creators, two goal scorers. Aubameyang is not a creator and he's not a high volume finisher. He does, he needs a good amount of shots to start to finish. We've seen it. He spurned ridiculously good opportunities because he's not clinical. I've always said Lacazette is the better finisher, but he doesn't get as many chances because Aubameyang's superpower, like you've always said, is getting chances. That's what he's good at. Putting him out on the left takes him away from that. And it, even though, you know, it seems we've slightly reverted and we're asking him to track back and, and do more and we're changing the way we play that left side of midfield, that means it's even worse. Mm. Because not only are we not playing him as like a, a left inside forward almost, we're playing him as like just a left, left yeah. wing, His left roles midfielder. Change, which is bizarre, yeah. And that just doesn't work. It really doesn't work. My, and it, I, it comes from the lack of signings. It really, really does. Well, Because having a 10, whether it's Madison or whether it's Erdegaard that can thread balls and that can create opportunities. Smith Rowe's good there, but I actually prefer him out on the left coming inside to that pocket. It it just means that there like there isn't we we we're, we're limiting ourselves to crosses and we're crossing to a man that's 5 foot 7 who does not have the aerial ability of Lionel Messi against Rio Ferdinand he just doesn't the man can be, the man can barely run let alone jump so what's the point of crossing to him it doesn't work this it's it's never worked yeah stop <laughs> yeah I, yeah no i do i i do want to caveat in that you know Saka wasn't available. William wasn't in the squad. I'm not, not. I'm not saying we want to play William. I'm just saying, you know, there might be reasons why Bamming had to go left wing. I just, I also think 
when you have a system, and and I do agree that there's there's maybe an answer in the market here. When you and also Martinelli is not available. When you have a a situation where you have a Bamiang who wants to cut in, Lacazette who's op- occupying those central space, spaces, Pepe who often wants to cut in, Saka who wasn't playing, but when he does, when he does from the right, he wants to cut in on the left. Maybe he's a bit better, and that's why I'd have him out on the left. But again, he's less effective on the left. When you have uh, who else are options there? Pepe who uh, sorry, uh, done Pepe who who else would play on the left? Uh, Willian would probably want to cut in as well Martinelli would want to cut in as well you have all these players clogging up that central zone we don't have anyone who loves the touchline who can whip those balls in if we're trying to play that way why you know we ha- we don't even have anyone who's specialist for that system so it just it feels a bit reductive and and I think there is definitely a space in this in this once we've moved on from Aubameyang and Lacazette and found our sense of forward option whether it's two players or a ten and a nine or a nine and a nine and a half whatever we end up having there is a, a space on that left hand side for someone to fill maybe it'll be Saka maybe it'll be Pepe I, I don't know but there is certainly a berth there for for someone to fill because um, I think we're well stocked on the right uh, and hopefully we'll get something sorted in the middle it's also about left footers as well I think there's a big there's a big issue with with the club especially in those forward options of if you signed Erdegaard and say you played Saka, Erdegaard, Pepe, you've got three left footers. Yeah, yeah. Who all which is why I think which is why I think Madison's quite attractive. Being a right footer, you could stick him in the hole with a left footer each side. Saka to whip balls in from the touchline and Pepe to cut inside. Um, yeah, yeah, we just need to make some bloody signings and they need to make ours manager quick sell. They need to quick sell Lacazette. <laughs> Fuck's sake! So when you get to using Cheap FIFA, FIFA terminology, term. you know you need to move on. That was I, depressing, Brad. When I used to play FIFA. We'll see you. In fucking... After this. <laughs> oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. News and Views. We went to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Please do. I just quit my job because my boss was awful. Right. Uh, please. 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 She was awful. Please. Mate, so my boss, right, She, uh, she's asked me, she said, can you bring your apron back? And I said, I've never had an apron. And she said, well, it's coming off your paycheck if I can't find it. Right. <laughs> so instead of focusing on the bit where I said I didn't have an apron, you're focusing on the bit where you need an apron. So may I suggest removing me from this conversation and uh, going and buying yourself, going a buying yourself apron, an apron. You <laughs> that is the least of her worries. Um, Anyway, right. Uh, just a small caveat before we get into a couple of things. Um, Want to get your take on this? There's been some sort of rumours going round. Rumours, you know what I mean? Sort of takes, go hot takes going round around takes, Richard takes Garlic and homegrown players. And I do think there's probably some kind of truth to this. 
We've been focusing a lot on homegrown players this this summer. Uh, a lot of the links that we've been seeing have been to homegrown players. You think of the likes of Rams there. We've signed Ben White, obviously, uh, Tammy Abraham, um, Madison, all those Madison. all those sorts of people. Richard Garlick was working at the Premier League before he joined Arsenal. Something we don't know that he does. It Possibly. might be putting you know, been... it might be putting two and two together and making five, but I do but think there are, it's there are quite a heavy bias going around separate from Garlic um, and have been the uh, homegrown quotas are likely to increase due to Brexit. Um, I can believe it. I can believe it. Yeah, I think it makes certain decisions a bit more baffling. And I hope that we have. But for example, we've registered William Saliba in both of his, in both of our Premier League squads for the last two seasons. And hopefully we've registered him this season because if we do so, he will gain homegrown quota status. Mm. So that's another one. And, you know, we've actually, we have got a decent amount. And I really wouldn't be surprised if after selling Willock, we now go out and buy Madison over Erdegaard purely because homegrown quota. Mm. Um, so if you think about it and you're thinking Saka, Martinelli will eventually become homegrown. Madison, if he comes in, Ben White, uh, Chambers, Nelson, Holding. Who else? Are you just naming homegrown players? I don't know where you're going with this. Yeah, but as in... <laughs> But as in we, 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 Arsenal as a club seem to be decently stocked with them. Yeah, yeah there's you a know, lot of our, options. Our new, our new third choice goalkeeper, Arthur Onwoke, I can't, I, how do you say Oconquer. his name? Do you know? I've, Oconquer. Um, he will eventually be homegrown after being registered. So I think we've left ourselves in a decent situation with that. I think, yeah, it could, it could easily be true and could easily just be. Rumors, Not true. you know, we've seen, <laughs> yeah, you know, we saw, we've seen a lot about um, the fact that apparently the Super League is still on and all 12 clubs are still interested in doing it. But then, you know, we're fucking hearing nothing about it. And La Liga have just gone and sold 50 years worth of their, uh, I think it's 25% of their rights for 50 years to, to the American company CVS because of the financial turmoil the league is in. Jesus. Uh, 50 years of it. And uh, it's for 3.8 billion as well. But that's not a lot of money no, over 50 not. years. Really like half a century. Uh, and it's because of the financial turmoil they're in. Their deal hasn't gone through yet as uh, clubs have still got to fully vote on it and, and accept it. But yeah, so it really wouldn't surprise me if the Super League was still a thing with the with the financial turmoil going on over there but we've heard a lot about it and nothing's happening and if that CVS deal goes through um, they can't the the Super League won't be able to happen because of the rights around it mm. so yeah I, I think it's worth it's worth keeping an eye on all these things you know looking at finding I find myself like watching videos uh, from The Athletic about like the French TV rights deal and stuff I think it's, it's really interesting learning about like the business of sport mm. there's a really good podcast called The Business of Sport um, if anyone's interested I just think it's really it explains a lot of things and like you know for example like why can't Everton sign anyone this summer is an interesting story all of, hit the mic um, all about you know FFP quotas and all, all that sort of stuff and it, it does explain a lot of things and can kind of contribute to the overall narrative and I think on the homegrown thing um, 
Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I love the idea that we're sort of getting ahead of the game based on insider information. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But <laughs> I think, um, yeah, it's. It I think everyone's thing. got sources, though. Yeah, true, true. Do you know what I mean? Every 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 club will know. Yeah, it's just it we might have we might have had a, a a one month head start that's meant that we can get in for certain yeah, people. Do you know what I mean? There's no secrets in uh, in football. Um, Martinelli won gold at the Olympics. Come on, yeah. love that. And Brian Gil settling into his Spurs lifestyle, coming second to a gunner. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, not much to say. I didn't even watch the game, but it's good. It's good that he's no. won a gold um, and good, good experience. Uh, shame for Gabriel because he would have been part of that um, had he not got the injury. But listen, it's great. It's great for Gabby. I think you know there was people basically saying you know don't send Marcelo to the Olympics. You know, there's no point. But I think where Gabby is, something like that is a real kind of validator and a real kind of like you know sometimes you start a job or you 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 know you you start a new workplace or something and you get that first bit of good work and you're like right i've i've done that i've achieved that and i've got that to hold on to and build on as a kind of foundation i think it's it's a good thing because you know it's something you know he's moved mitoano yes he showed a lot of promise but there's not a lot to sort of hold on to and i think something like that can really be um a settling thing for him i'm not saying it's going to change the world and he's going to you know you become Lionel messi overnight but there is that sort of level of like right i've done i've done that i've achieved that now and that is something that is tangible physical evidence of the fact that I am a good football player and, and he can push forward. I don't yeah. I don't think Martelli's problem was ever his mentality, but I think things like that do do help you just to know you've got something in the um in the in the in the trophy cabinet because you know, look at a player like Harry Kane, it's so clearly weighing on him in every decision, you know, that he's not oh, one God, of yeah. and he, do you, uh, fun fact about Harry Kane, he's played in four finals in his career and he's taken four shots in all of those finals put together, he's averaging one shot at goal per final he plays in. <laughs> what's, what's the Albino thing? It's like when they say like one send, one word at the end. Tragic. Um, <laughs> um, so I do want to kind of briefly touch on the Edu thing. Mm. Just to say, like, I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ways you could go with this. And I will come back to something I think I've said before on in terms of the, the pictures coming out of him on a holiday. There is definitely a world in which Edu is working. I mean, according to Luigi Gaspar, he's always working. He's always on the phone. You can work from anywhere. Football is conducted over Zoom calls and WhatsApp. Football business is conducted over um, Zoom calls and WhatsApp. Um, and, you know, things are not the way they were 10 years ago. You do not need to be in person, plus the pandemic, all that sort of stuff. So caveat, 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 caveat. There has to come a time where we understand as a club what that looks like. Because I guarantee you, you're not seeing Marina, whatever her name is at Chelsea, doing that. You're not seeing whoever it is at United, Edward Wood, or, you know, I think he's outgoing now, is he? Woodward's left. Yeah. Um, But you're not seeing Michael Edwards for Liverpool out on holiday. Uh, You're not seeing. um, I think his name's Cheeky. Oh, cheeky! Yeah, I've gone down a road which I I can't back up with evidence uh, because I have no idea what the names of people are. But what I was in—it's not come as in. I think I think we forget how connected the football world is. If we were seeing that and that was happening, you would see Man City fans annoyed on Twitter. You would see United fans annoyed on Twitter or Chelsea fans. But no, Granov Sky has just gone and negotiated within the within. I think three to four days, a 95 million pound move for Romelu Lukaku. 
I mean, in it's three not the to best four days. deal, but I, I take your point, yeah. No, but that, that it will get Romelu Lukaku, whether it's overpriced or not, will be, at whatever price, one of the highest profile signings of the summer. She's gotten that done in three to four days. And that's because she went out there with a target to buy a player and she's achieved that target. Going on one holiday, I have no issue with. The guy has literally gone on more holidays, four, than he's made signings. Well, three. I'm, I'm gonna s- That's a bad, bad look. I'm gonna slightly That is a really bad look. I'm gonna slightly disagree with you because I, I don't think it's about the number of holidays. We can't know whether they're holidays. We can't know what they are. They they might be business trip, whatever. We don't know. We saw him on a on a yacht with, you know, Kia and and, uh, and Raul. The point being and- that on a jet ski with his family. And- well, we, we don't know what these things are. We do we literally do not know. We could, he could be anywhere doing anything. We, we just see the pictures. And this is my point. Optically, we have to see how that comes across. And someone at the club has to have a word with Edu and say, look, mate, you can't be putting this out there. And I appreciate it's not Edu putting it out there. It's, it's, it's you know, it's his son or it's a friend of his or it's, you know, he's one of his wife's friends or whatever it is. But he has to be told that the optics of this are not good. And I think there's a... Especially when he's not doing his job well. Well, exactly. But the point being that there is definitely, and and I completely take your points, you know, especially when he's not doing his job well, especially when, you know, we're not getting the signings in, especially, you know, you can add all of these things onto it. My main problem with it is how can he not see how that's coming across? And then what other things... Are, is he sort of letting slide by? And maybe that's a bit of a jump, but it's kind of going, okay, but you you don't understand how this is all coming across to the fan base, even though you your own son says and you are other people. you are connected to the fan base. You know how it's coming across. So it's either that you don't understand or you don't care because it's happening a lot. So you either literally don't understand how it's coming across, which I find hard to believe, or you literally don't care. And both of them are a concern to me because they're both part of the narrative of Arsenal and they make us look like amateurs. And, you know, yes, of course, you can create a whole uh, counter argument going, well, it doesn't matter. And he's probably on, you know, but it doesn't matter. Sometimes you just got to accept that optically things do not look good. And it's also, you know, he has to do his job probably eight weeks out of the year. His main job is negotiating transfers. You know, there will be a lot of caveats around that but his main job will be negotiating the transfers for Arsenal he has eight weeks a year in which he can do it fuck off on holiday another time genuinely why pick the busiest time because time differences as well especially when we've heard that we're trying to get homegrown or like Premier League proven players players from Premier League clubs why are you putting yourself in different time zones Mm. to the people you want to be talking to good point you know no Arsenal fan would have an issue if he was getting his job done. We'd fucking love it and we'd meme it. We'd be like, oh, our technical director, Edu Gaspar's just signed Madders for 60 mil whilst drinking a glass of Merlot on the beach. And there'd be fucking memes of it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Great. But the issue is he's not doing his job properly. We are yet to receive a penny from a single sale of a player. We have Lucas Torreira, who some people have forgotten he's still an Arsenal player and we don't know what's going on with him yet. And if he's staying, Elneny should be going. But there's no talk of any of these things. It's come out today that Newcastle are apparently interested in holding. Well, if that happens, then Chambers is going to have to move to being kind of third or fourth choice centre-back. And then we definitely need a right-back. But Bellerin's not gone yet. 
William still exists at the club. You know, there's there's so many and I, like I think earlier when I I think I, when I because I've been a massive critic, kind of one of his biggest critics, and I feel completely vindicated as to because I think earlier we had a lot of conversations about saying oh it's a bit early he's not had a lot of time, but if we look at what he's actually gotten done, it's it's piss poor it's really poor we signed Thomas Party for a release clause fee and he's a lifelong fan of Arsenal we got two loans in that not only did they suit us but they also suited the clubs that loaned them out perfectly and then this summer we've gotten Ben White for the price that we were quoted four weeks later than we were quoted it and we've gotten kind of two the only signing that I think really you you could probably give him any credit for is maybe Sambi, maybe. But I mean, because it can't Tavares have been that hard to was <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he's a but Tavares was already was already on his way out. They wanted him gone, you know, and and then you put into practice the fact that he is not negotiating any sale. Well, he's not yet finalized or negotiated any sales out of the club in what is meant to be our biggest transfer revamp ever, and. Now, I know that there's probably a few caveats to that in that to sign the signings that we want to make, he might have to generate a certain amount of money from the players he sells. But it is just getting to a point where I'm going, well, when are we going to start selling these players? There's three weeks left of the window. And the longer we wait with the size of squad we've got, their valuation goes down because they've got him bent over a barrel. Oh, you need the money. So you'll you'll accept less. Yeah, I, I largely agree. A couple of things. I think the market is going to loosen up over the next couple of weeks. And I think I, while I wish we'd been more decisive, I also think from now there is a lot. There is a lot of ways that Edu can redeem himself. My concern is that is more to do with the fact that there are all of these things which are unknowns. I mean, like even, for example, what exactly Edu's job is. For example, is he is he the person who makes first contact? Because there's reports that's Richard Garlick now. Is he the person looking after the long-term vision of the club? What is he doing? And at the moment, if I'm Edu and I'm trying to make a good impression, I'm not putting those pictures out there. I'm not allowing those to go out there. I'm I'm making it very, very clear that I, I'm making it very, very clear that I am someone who is serious about this thing. And he may, he may be completely serious, but you can't expect the fans to take you seriously. And then you go, right. And, and the point is, is it's not necessarily that you know what's going on. It's just how can't you see? And then you go, oh, so you can't control the narrative of even your own job. So how do I expect you to control the narrative of William Saliba? How am I going to expect you to control the narrative of, 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 of the club? And then the problem is, and- is you get people like Willian, like David Louise, like Cedric, like whoever, who then basically treat the club like a retirement home. Because they're not being the the, the high level the, the, that isn't being started at the very top of Edu treating his job on the surface, rightly or wrongly, whether he he's doing it you know behind closed doors or whatever. On the surface, he's not treating it with the respect that, in in my opinion, it deserves. So, well, not in, in my opinion, it does it does deserve. So, it just concerns me of his like of his judgment, let alone what he's even doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a real concern. Um, it's starting to be, it's just starting to be where almost 
all signs are pointing towards it. Do you know what I mean? You you could forgive him the naivety of posting those photos if we hadn't had what feels like now a summer and a half of him fumbling deals and fumbling certain decisions. You know, not taking charge and selling Lacazette for 30, 30 million either great British pounds or euros last summer. Apparently we were offered. Not selling him for that amount of money last year what is is criminal he should be locked up in the hague for not <laughs> for not sanctioning that genuinely that amount of money yeah. for for that french smurf <laughs> okay who french, french. just <laughs> We're at an hour. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop any yeah. more transfer because it's just going to fucking spiral. It's just going to spiral. Let's let's uh, just quickly on the Willock thing <laughs> um, before we do uh, before we wrap up. I, you know, I, I I've 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 written a daily blog about it today. If you want to go read my sort of longer version of Great the opinion, deal. it's a good deal. I think it's a good good price. It's the good time for the good time. It's a, it's a good time for everyone to for the deal to happen. I would just say what Tim Stillman said earlier, you have to, when a deal like that is on the table, mm-hmm. I think the only you thing, I, the it. only thing I would say is Willock's value to us is never going to be any higher. Willock's value may be higher at Newcastle. He may go to 40, 50 million as a player, but Willock's value to us, he is never going to perform at the same level as he does next year. If he does, I'll hold my hands up, but he's never going to perform at the same level. Oh, God, no. And so if we kept him for another year, went on another loan, kicked the kicked the can down the road, we're never going to get more money than this. So I'm I'm happy with it. And it's, it's also when we're, we're never going to get more money for that because it's about success. The reason Liverpool can sell and Chelsea can sell Mark Guehi for 15 million to Crystal Palace is because they've just won the Champions League. So you hear Mark Wehi, who is the next centre-back to break into the back line of the Champions League winners. It already brings prestige. It already brings a certain amount of price tag to it. We've sold a player who couldn't get into eighth place Arsenal's midfield for £25 million. That is a great deal. Creek. Oh, no, that was a, that was a shoulder crack oh. that time. But are we ready? <laughs> wait, wait, wait for it, wait for it. Lovely. Really nice. We've just got time, Brad. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time out, I asked you, in what year did Arsenal win the title by 0.099 of a goal? I'm going to say, was it uh, 1956? It was 1952 slash 53, Brad. I was so close. We may have done this earlier. Uh, yeah. the, the newest question for you is uh, congratulations if you got that one right uh, there are four executive and non-executive directors of Arsenal Stan and Josh Kroenke Tim Lewis and who there are four executive and non-executive directors of Arsenal Stan and Josh Kroenke Tim Lewis and who Bradley Adams from the different not- let the dogs out right Brad a pleasure complaining about Edu with you. I love it. Oh, and thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, yeah, we hope you'll enjoy. It's a good one. Have a little tipple on us started. tomorrow. Uh, Definitely. For the different knocks, first birthday. Raise a glass. It's been a good year. Our little 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Let's raise a glass together, my friend. Yeah, we could do a little light. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not going to do that. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Keep it different, Knock, and we will see 
you on Wednesday. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.